0: Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous.
1: You let that person make you angry? Well, you chose to let them make you angry right? I mean, we do have control over our emotions more than we think we do. And we certainly have control over our attitude.
2: It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood,
0: I'm your host for today's show. Hey, guys, I'm really excited today because our guest has developed uh, a system to help you live a godly legacy. And starting in 2022, he wrote a cool book. Uh, it's got It's a very simple book, but it's uh, got some depth to it that I think you're really going to appreciate. But before we bring our guest on today, I want to talk to you about a man law. Our man laws are supplied mostly by you, our audience and when we use your man law, hit us up at info infomenintharena.org at with your physical address, and we will send you some men in the arena swag. This week's man law is called the umbrella rule. Now, guys, here it is. Listen, men never share umbrellas. We don't even use umbrellas in the Pacific Northwest. We don't share umbrellas. We don't share bathrooms. We don't share clothing unless it's hunting gear, of course. We don't even share our meals, and we definitely don't sit on motorcycles together. So, guys, we, we just don't share like that. Women tend to share that way. We don't. So just want to let you know, guys, these are just meant for you to get a laugh and a chuckle. Uh, they're not something to, to, you know, crucify me over, right? So, but the umbrella rule, guys, be careful who you share with. Hey, and I want to also highlight one of our hero stories. Again, our hero stories are supplied by you, our heroes, We are guides on your journey, but guys, you are the hero in in your story. When a man gets it, everyone wins. So here's a great story from Matt B. in Illinois, and he says this. This is pretty cool. Congrats to you and your team on the 500th podcast episode. I'm happy to say that I've listened to every one and they've made a huge impact on my life. Thank you for all you do. And he continues I want to update you on the small group you set me up with early this year. It's been a huge blessing for all of us. My team leader and I have become great friends. Thank you for pointing me in the right direction as well. I'm glad to be a part of Man Arena and its work. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Guys, that is so cool, man. We are all about you becoming your best version. Head over to our website. On the homepage, if you just click the button that says join our program, guys, we want to connect you with a small group leader, a virtual team. Guys, it'll cost you the $16 to get our workbook. That's it. We're not charging you some $100 a monthly fee to sit at my feet. We're saying, guys, get together on a team, interact together in fellowship, and like Matt B. in Illinois, become your best version through partnering with other guys who are committed to becoming their own best version. If you have a hero story for us, guys, hit us up at info at in and we will send you some meat of swag to say thank you. Hey, I'm excited guys to bring our guest on today. Gary Greeno. He's 53 years old, lives in Stockton, California. Gary's a pastor, motivational speaker, educator for over 30 years, author and former basketball coach. His passion is to help people find and live out their purpose while living out the godly legacy they truly want to leave. Today, we'll be discussing his book, The Legacy Game Plan, Four Keys to Living Intentionally. It's my pleasure to bring our friend on, Gary Greeno. Gary, how are you doing, man? Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, Jim. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for today. Your book, uh, the layout of your book, I, I read over 60 books this year, I think, and it's just refreshing to read one with a a, a simple layout that's solid, clearly communicated. You write You wrote the book like a communicator, you know. Educators take something that's very simple and make it complex. Communicators take something that's complex and make it simple. And so you've done that. I think this is going to be a great tool for Ben to have. But before we throw you into our rapid fire round, why don't you take a few minutes and give us your story? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me start with where I'm at now and then I'll kind of
1: back up. So I am a pastor. I've been pastoring now for seven months and oh, just wow. been loving it. I'm in Northern California, uh, in Stockton. And uh, just loving what I'm doing. But if we could back up, um, I have not always been a pastor. I come from a long line of pastors. My dad, my granddad, my great granddad were all pastors. And when I was in college, I had to make a decision. I had to declare a major. And uh, I was torn because I really wanted to be a basketball coach and a a teacher. But something inside of me said, man, I I would like to be a pastor as well. And it's, it's interesting, Jim. I never really felt God clearly saying, go this direction. Mm -hmm. You know, I was looking for the big uh, flash of lightning, the thunder, and I never got it. So I told the Lord, I said, God, okay, I'm going to choose coaching and teaching. And if you got something different, you got to let me know. And so I pursued that. And as you said earlier, I've been doing it for for 31 years as a a teacher. I'm still teaching uh, while pastoring, so bivocational. And it's just so crazy because about... Seven or eight years ago, probably around 2015 or 16, I'm in my groove as a teacher, an educator. I'm a basketball coach. I coach at a, at a big school in California, 3,000 students. We're winning championships, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting rooted in my community here. And I just feel like this this is cool. This is this is great. I could see myself doing this till I'm 80,
0: and then God <laughs> comfort, <started
1: stirring>. comfort, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> and God started stirring. He started stirring something, in me saying, yep. "Gary, I've got more for you." And and uh, I'm like, "Okay, you know, I've been following the Lord for a long time, and um, and pursuing what He wants." And I said, "Okay, God, you know, I'm game. What you know, let me know." And He never really gave me clarity for a long time. He just said, "I got something more. I got something more." And so I became a motivational speaker. I pursued different coaching opportunities, uh, pursued different ministry opportunities, and. During that time, I became, uh, as I said, a speaker, and I spoke both in the uh, business world and also to a lot of churches. And as I was speaking in churches, a lot of, a lot of places would call me to speak to men, uh, which is my passion, uh, just like you. And so I talk about legacy, and I would talk about living intentionally, because I feel like we all have this, this desire for more. We all have this desire to be all that God created us to be. But I really feel that so many of us are not quite living to that potential. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We get caught up with life, right? Family, kids. I've got five kids. Uh, I've been through a divorce. I was married for 13 years and had to deal with that. Uh, Met my my current wife shortly after. We've been married for 18 years and dealing with career and, and just so many things of life, right? We just get hung up on that. And very often we miss God's best for us. And I didn't want to keep doing the good and miss the great that God had in store. And so as I began speaking about this and legacy and living intentionally, um, someone said, hey, Gary, you should put this in a book. And I was always bringing these papers and these pamphlets and these handouts. And, and so I said, OK, I'm going to do it. So I have my, got my material. Like you said, I love to communicate. And so if you know me, hear me speak, people often say, yeah, I can hear your voice in that book. It's simple. I'm a simple guy. Uh, I'm not into big words and all of that. And uh, so I, I wrote the book uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, so that way, when I go places, uh, I can just you know, give them the book as a supplement to uh, to my speaking. And uh, it's been great. Uh, many people have said, wow, Gary, th- this has really uh, caused me to think about my legacy and, and what I'm doing now, because here's the thesis. What we do now determines what our legacy is. Yeah, right? I mean, it's not something we think about that, like, oh, I want to leave a great legacy. Oh, you know, what are people going to say about me, you know, when I'm gone? But the truth is, if we get up every single day and we're intentional about how we live, we can write our legacy now. My hashtag is live your legacy, right? Yeah. The choice decisions we make now are what people are going to say about us when we're gone. So it's really
0: important to be thinking about that every day. Well, you said a couple of things. I resonate with legacy on my strengths finders test, one of my strengths is significance. I'm just passionate about living strong and dying well. And, you know, you said something, men are simple, you know, you communicate simply, but men are simple, but I want the women listening. I want women to hear this. Don't get confused. Simple does not mean shallow. Men are very deep, but they're simple. Their needs are simple. Respect me, affirm me, make love to me <laughs> and I'm good to go. You know, I mean, we're simple, but deep. If we don't have those needs fulfilled, everything unwinds for us. So when you say simple, that does not mean shallow. And I want to be very clear- careful there. You also said something I want to bring up that I think is really funny. You know, you said, you know, I was winning championships. Life was good. I could stay here forever. And again, guys, uh, we're, we're in the, we're, we're at the beginning of a new year and I just want to tell you something And I want you to understand this biblical truth. And if you can disprove this biblically, hit me up. I want to hear from you. But I want to tell you this. American men, you American men especially, God is not interested in your comfort. He's interested in you living your purpose. And so when you start getting comfortable, I would just tell you guys, get ready for a miracle because God's going to wreck you just like he wrecked Gary. So, Gary, I really appreciate your story, man. I'm going to throw you into the rapid fire round. So there are some things out of your book that I think are you're very passionate about. And I just want you to explain uh, these to our guys. Are, are you ready for this round? Absolutely. Let's go. Let's roll, baby. Okay, baby. Here we go. First one is legacy prayer. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: to me, the, the legacy prayer is a prayer that I wrote out. And this was actually before I, I wrote the book. It was in this process of, of that time frame I mentioned earlier where, where God was speaking to me about my own legacy. And so I just wrote out a very simple prayer. It's in the book uh, that I try to pray, uh, if not daily, just as often as I can. And this is my intention for how I want to live. And I'm just asking God, help me make a difference. Help me live with my legacy in mind. Mm. And I've never been a guy to like write out prayers, Um, but I do think there's a value to writing out exactly what it is I want God to do. In my life and, and writing out how I would like God to help me impact my children, help me make a difference at work and, and writing it out really gave me clarity. You know, I don't have to sit there and think, OK, yeah, dear God. Uh, oh, wait, I got to go do this over here. You know, my mind just gets you know all over the place. And so the legacy prayer I would challenge guys just to write out. It's simple. I, I have it uh, in my phone on my notes. Uh, it's just a simple prayer of asking God to help me daily live out that legacy and live intentionally. Um, and and I know that when we ask him, he's faithful. He, like you said before the show, he is faithful. No matter what we go through, our circumstances don't define us. It's our, it's our character. Like you said, it's not our comfort. If we get comfortable, like Jim said, guys, man, watch out because God doesn't oh, want you to be comfortable. And so the legacy prayer is about taking us to that next level. So, Gary, do you feel comfortable sharing your prayer? Yeah, so uh, sure. So I have it right here. It's not something I have memorized, but something I've read many, many times. Um, Lord, use me to reach people and make a difference for you. Allow my influence to reach beyond anything I could imagine and use my life to make a difference in others and let it begin at home with my own family and those that know me well. Lord, let me be inspiring and motivating so that others go for their greatness and chase their dreams and find the purpose you have for them with every ounce of their being. And let me teach others to do the same. Man, so that's, that's really my prayer. Cool, man. That's my prayer. I want to be the absolute best that God, God created me to be. I may not be a 10. I may not be the best communicator, the best coach, the best pastor. But man, I just want to be everything that he created me to be for the purpose of reaching people for the kingdom
0: and helping men, women, everyone to live out their purpose that God created them for. So I appreciate that, Gary. So that's your legacy prayer. The second rapid fire round statement is this legacy statement. So how is the prayer different than the statement? Walk us through that. Absolutely. They're, They're very similar. My,
1: my prayer is to God, right? And even though I read it, I don't ever let it become just wrote. Even reading it to you guys right now, it's it's like it's a res, it's in my heart, right? It's like, God, this is what yeah. I'm saying. I, I do this sometimes, let me just divert a little bit. I do this sometimes with the Psalms. You know, I, I go through some of the Psalms that David wrote, and those are his prayers, and I just make them my prayer, and I think there's something valuable about reading, mm-hmm. but it comes from your heart. Like this is my these mm-hmm. are my words. So the legacy statement. You want me to read it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is my statement to myself. This is a declaration, right? To me, a statement is, this is a declaration of how I'm going to live. It's not that I'm perfect. I don't live up to it every day. But man, by golly, I'm going to give it my best. and th- this is what I'm striving. So my legacy statement is this, if my life inspires my kids to go for greatness in everything they do, then I did not live in vain. When I am gone, If they and others can use my life as motivation to go for it, to hold nothing back and chase their dreams with everything they've got, then my life will have accomplished something worthwhile. And most importantly, if my life was able to point them to Jesus, and because of how I live and the things I said and the choices I made, they choose to follow him with all their heart, then my life will have been well-lived. I first wrote that on September 23rd, 2015.
0: That's really cool. And I, could, I, could, I can hear the emotion in that yeah. statement. And, you know, it's really interesting. You know, from a godly parent's perspective, I think our children need to understand that we don't care how successful they are. What we care about is that they love Jesus. And if they love Jesus, everything yeah. else is going to matter. You know, I've got three wonderful sons. My, my middle son's buying his second home at 25 years old. I mean, you know, I've got great kids, college-educated, You know, But my heart for my sons and their wives and their children is that they love the Lord. Everything has to start there. There's a foundation there that we're going to talk about a little bit later. So you talk about your legacy prayer. You talk about your legacy statement. But I really, I love this tombstone testimony. Can you talk about that? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, pretty simple. It's just, you know, what are people going to
1: say about you when you're gone? Uh, What are they going to put on Mm. your tombstone? Right? Because I got, you can write out a whole paragraph, legacy statement and whatnot, but you know, it, it's that, it's that dash, right? You've probably heard about the dash. You got the year you're born, you were born, the year you die and that dash in between is pretty, you know, what, oh, that's how good. did you summarize that dash? And so on the tombstone, there's not a whole lot for a whole paragraph. So I, I don't remember when I first came up with this, but just years ago, I just said, you know what? I think it was actually John Maxwell who first talked about this years ago. And I said, if, if they could just put on my testimony, here lies Gary Greeno, a man who made a difference. Yeah. I think it would sum up what I'm trying to do with, with my life is just make a difference the best I can be all the guy created me to be. So hopefully they can uh, put that on, on my tombstone
0: and, and uh, something that I truly lived out. Man, I just resonate with that so, so deeply. You can't even imagine that stuff is just my heartbeat. So yeah. the last thing I want to talk about on this rapid fire round is something that you call the almost life. Can you explain that? Yeah, Absolutely. Um you know, almost is a is
1: a very sad word and I see I see men, I see women uh, they live the almost life. you know, have you ever uh, gone on a diet and almost lost weight? never uh, <laughs> yeah, been a lot a, yeah, right Have you ever been in a relationship that almost worked out right? It's New Year's it's, it's resolution time. have you ever set goals that you almost kept, right? And so I feel like when we're young, when our in our teens, our twenties, our youth, we got passion, we got dreams, we got goals, things we're going to accomplish, and nothing's going to get in our way. And then we get married, and then and then we go through a, a breakup or a divorce, or or, or a, a child dies, or you know we get let go of a job, and we have all these circumstances of life come in, and we tend to let our circumstances define us rather than refine us, right? And so uh, we allow, them- yeah. We, we allow that to pull us away from those dreams we had. And so people in the back of their mind, I meet, I meet them all the time, Jim. Moms, dads, they're 30, they're 40, they got kids. Somewhere in the back of that, their mind is that dream. Somewhere deep down in their heart is that longing that they had at, at one point, And they'd like to get there. They don't know how to get there. They're so consumed with life. They're just almost there. But almost is sad. I mean, you're you're never going to get there. Uh, Almost is just not quite enough. And uh, so, you know, I got several examples when I'm speaking about, you know, the almost life. You know, I remember when, um, when uh, I was young, we did a lot of camping and, and we were driving in the mountains looking for this camping spot. with My parents, we had another family with us. We're driving down this mountain road, right? I know, I know you like outdoors and, probably been camping. And so we're trying to find this great spot, right? Way long before GPS and cell phones. And it was getting late. It was getting dark, windy, windy road. And we said, okay, let's just camp here for the night. And then then we'll sleep in the car, right? Because we just sleep in the car. And then in the morning, we'll get up and go. Well, we had a miserable night, man. I mean, we just, it was cold. We're in the car. The next morning we wake up early. We get in the car, we go around the next corner would you believe around the very next corner was that campsite, right? We just yep. stopped short. Yep. And so many of us stop short. If we just, we just got to keep going. You never know. It could be around that, that next corner, right? Um, scientists did this study with, with fleas and, uh, and they took these fleas. Maybe you've heard this. They, they put them in a jar, you know, a little flea can jump eight, 10 feet in the air, put the flea in the jar, put a lid on it. The fleas are jumping. They hit the top of the jar, right? Hit their lid, their head on the lid. They're like, Hey, this doesn't feel good. So they only jump just to the height of the jar. And then they take that lid off, let the fleas out. And for the rest of their life, those fleas only jump as high as the jar. Right. And so they put this limit on themselves because of their circumstances and they're capable of so much more, but they only go almost to the height of the jar and and I feel like so many people allow their circumstances to limit them. limit them. They put a ceiling on what's possible rather than embracing what God has for them, being bigger than their circumstances, and continually moving forward and getting past almost getting past the atmost, because many of us have an atmost mindset, like, oh, this is all I can get, to to having God's utmost, right? We want the utmost totally. mindset. So that's kind of the progression that I think of.
0: Which is why Oswald Chambers wrote the book, My Utmost, for his highest. His highest. Well, you know, it's really interesting. You use the word almost, and I've said this many, many times, that in the dictionary, the biggest word in the dictionary only has two letters, and it's the word if. Mm -hmm. If I only, if I only, Mm -hmm. I almost, I almost, I almost. And so this is very, very powerful, that God does not want us to live the half-life or the part-life John 10, 10, he wants us to live the full life. So this is really good, man. So, hey, why? so this. let's talk about your book, The Legacy Game Plan, Four Keys to Living Intentionally. Why did you write it and what is the purpose of the book? Yeah,
1: when, when I go to speak to a group of men, women as well, I just feel like there's a need to help folks live intentionally. Because like I said, we get caught up in life, right? And we have these ideas of what we want to do, how we want to follow the Lord, but unless we set out to be intentional every single day, um, it's probably not going to happen. And so I wrote the book just to help people be intentional
0: about where God wants them to be. Yeah, that's really good, man. Yeah, you said in the book, you actually said the purpose behind this book is to give you a game plan for leaving a great legacy. And that's what the book is about. And again, it's very simple and it's, it's straightforward. And so let's discuss this. Uh, it's a four-part game plan. Uh, so you almost break it down to four quarters of a game or f- it's a four-part uh, recipe for leaving a godly legacy and so what I'm going to do Gary is I'm just going to unpack each of these four and ask you to explain them uh, as guys uh, lay out the pathway for their life hey this is the best time of the year to do it I'm a huge fan of setting goals for the new year in fact I'm speaking at a church on the 2nd of January. I'm speaking uh, uh out of uh Psalm 40 on building a new song for the new year and we will put that online for you guys as a podcast episode in about 3 weeks. So, Gary, will you lay out part 1 of your four-part game plan and what do you mean by it? And it is sure. fortify your foundation. Fortify right. your foundation. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: fortify your foundation, that's part 1. Part two is feed your faith. Uh, Part three is fix your focus. And then part four, which we talked about, is finish strong. And that's the legacy game plan uh, or the statement and the prayer and so forth. The the four parts to fortify your foundation. Uh, This is so crucial because if you think of any building, any structure, you know, you go down into the city, see these big skyscrapers, even your house. If you don't have a great foundation, it's not going to last. And so, building your foundation on the Lord is is key. It's most important. And the four parts are to choose Christ daily. Uh, you know, we got to take up our cross daily and follow Him. Luke, I think it's nine twenty three. Uh, so we got to do that on a daily basis. We we have to keep the past in the past. This is uh, point number two under fortify your foundation. So many times, we just we have our past come back to haunt our present. And, and, and our past stops our, our momentum. Our, our, we're living in the past failures, sometimes the past regrets, sometimes even the past successes. And so we got to keep the past in the past. Um, uh, number three is to get around godly people. And, uh, you know, birds of a fle- feather flock together. I think mean, Jim Rohn said, you're the average of the five people you hang out with most. And that's so important. Yeah. And then number five is to understand it's a slow, or number four, I'm sorry, is to understand it's a slow process. All right, I'm a guy that wants things to happen now, but it's a slow process to becoming all God wants you to be. It's a slow process to strengthening that foundation. So we can unpack well, that a little yeah. more if you'd like.
0: Well, yeah, and on page 39 of your book, you said slow progress is still progress. Don't get discouraged. Just remember it takes time. And so those four points to building a uh, strong or fortifying your foundation is choose Christ daily, Keep the past in the past, get around godly people, and it's a slow process. Now, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here, uh, and if you don't feel comfortable, let me know, but you're you're open in your book about being married twice, and you said you were married 13 years, and now you're married 18. You know, It's easy for a Christian man, we have a lot of our guys listening, have been divorced, to live in guilt and shame. What did you learn from your first marriage in order to make your second marriage a successful marriage? And how did you move from the guilt and shame of that, that, that failed marriage to uh, redemption and victory in this second marriage? Right. That's a great question. It's, uh, it's similar on a much bigger scale
1: to sometimes when I was a coach, we'd have an awful game and, and we'd get blown out of the gym and I go home wanting to quit. Like, why am I even a coach? Like, I can't even get my team to make a layup, you know? And I just have all this defeat and all this just despair. And it's amazing what a good night will sleep, good night of sleep will do because in the next morning, I get fired up. I'm like, okay, let's get the game plan, right? Let, let's figure out what we're going to do. And so not to compare a game with a loss of a game with the loss of a marriage, much different. But the way that I'm wired is, this marriage did not work. It, it failed. And, and I'm not trying to gloss over any of it. It was, it was heartbreaking. Man, I, I spent days on the floor, head down, crying out to God, God. what is going on here? I don't understand this. And uh, how am I going to get through this? This was when I was in my early 30s. I I knew I had a heart for ministry. And I'm like, God, how can you use me as a minister? Or just not even a a preacher, but just how can you use me to make a difference for you if I go through a divorce? Like I just had all these things. And and God was my strength. And he said, you know, Gary, and these are are lessons you don't learn in the moment. Because when you're in the moment, you're just trying to get through. You're just trying to survive. You're just trying to figure out how I'm going to get out of bed the next day, right? And, And so anybody that's going through it right now, I was just talking to a friend who's going through it right now. You do the best you can. You you try to learn what you can. But this is a huge life-altering event. You're not going to learn everything in the moment. You're going to get through it through the grace of God, through the strength of God, through the help of others, by by listening to to podcasts like this, by going on your Facebook page and reading all the encouraging posts. Hey, I'm going to get it. There's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to make it. And then once you get through it, then you're able to look back and see how God has brought you through and the different lessons that you have learned. Many of those lessons apply specifically to you. You know, I'm, I'm naturally a very critical person. Like I see something, I want to fix it yeah. if wrong with my team. We're going to address it, right? I'm the coach. They're the player. We're going to do this drill. We're going to have this talk. That's great when you're on the basketball court. That don't work so well in a marriage. True. And many times my, my wife now, she's, she told me, especially early on, she said, Gary, remember, I'm not your team. <laughs> We're in this together. But these are just yep. lessons that I that God had to teach me. He said, "Gary, I know you don't mean to come across critical, but you are. You know, you're you're, you're this motivational guy, but you're demotivating those closest to you." Yeah. And see, I know I didn't get that going on, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you're blaming other people, you're blaming God, you just, you know, but you just got to say, "I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this." What is your source? What is your source of strength? And it goes back to this first point of making sure your foundation is strong. And the only way you're going to have a strong foundation is if your foundation is built on the word of God. I mean, That's it. That's all there is to it. Um, in the book, I talk about a story Tony Evans tells where he had this crack on his wall. He goes into his bedroom and there's this crack on, on the wall. He's like, what the heck? And so he calls a painter to come fix it or this guy to come fix it. So he paints over the crack. He says, okay, you're good. No crack, right? It's just perfect wall. But all I did was paint it over and the crack came back. And so I got another guy to come in and fix it. And and then the next painter said, I'm sorry, I can't fix this. Because you don't have a problem with cracks on your wall. You have a problem with your your foundation. He says it's shifting. And as long as your foundation is shifting, you're always going to have cracks on your wall. And so many people have these cracks in their lives, they have cracks in their marriages, and they just paint it over. Oh, it's good. There's no crack there, but the crack's going to come back, right? The marital crack, the financial crack, the relational crack. I mean, all that's going to come back unless we strengthen that foundation and build it on God. And so whether you're going through a divorce, a breakup, a work crisis, a financial crisis, that foundation has got to be on God. It's the only way that
0: we're going to get through it. So I want to ask you about a distinction uh, just a point of clarity here. So the first point in building this godly legacy is to fortify your foundation. I'm going to read a quote from your book, page 21, and I'm going to ask you about it because there's there are two phrases there that, I, that have caused a little confusion for me personally. You said this, whatever it takes, fix your foundation. No matter the cost or the inconvenience, make sure your foundation is built on Jesus. This foundation will hold no matter how bad things get in your life. Fortifying your foundation is a continual process. So point number one is fortify your foundation. But you've mentioned fixing your foundation. So what yeah. is the difference between fixing and fortifying? What, for me, one is uh, there's a there's something wrong that's got to be taken care of. And the other one is I'm just going to make what's already good better. How do you right. distinguish between the two? Well, I, I think you said it. I, th- I think it's,
1: it's bo- just what you said. It's both. There are many of us who have to fix our foundation right? Our foundation is in what we got in our bank account. You know, as long as I got Ah. a certain amount, I'm good. I'm trusting that, right? But that's the, that that, we got to fix that. We got to say, no, it doesn't matter how much money I got in my bank account. God's my source. He's going to provide every need. I'm going to learn to be content in every situation, right? So we got to fix that. And then as we fix these different areas, then we strengthen them. And and every time we go through something, Jim, we we have a decision to make. Is this going to strengthen my foundation? Or is this going to weaken it? Am I going to just cling to God even more? Or am I going to start blaming God? Am am I going to start pulling away from God? See, we got to make that decision. So every time we go through something, if we just cling to God a little bit more, we're strengthening, we're fortifying that foundation. So I I think you're right. There are times we need to fix it. And then there are times where we got okay, my foundation is solid. I want to build my life on God. But now I got to strengthen that every single day. I can't be content.
0: No, that's really good. You know, my wife and I decided every 10 years of our marriage, we'd go in for counseling because we want to Mm -hmm. strengthen what is already strong. So we are at 30 years marriage. We went through a a series of counseling sessions with our pastor. It was outstanding. Uh, Was our marriage weak? No. Was it perfect? No. That's the key. You know, I've got a friend who just built a giant house on the Oregon coast. Mm -hmm. I was at his house for my birthday. We had a dinner over there. And from his kitchen, I can look and see the Pacific Ocean. And I can look the other way and I can see the Siletz Bay. So it's sitting mm-hmm. on this small strip of land. And I said, what are you going to do if a uh, tor- uh, uh, tsunami hits? He goes, this house ain't going nowhere. I go, why? He said, the foundation is deeper than the house. So what you mm-hmm. see on the outside of the house is nothing compared to the foundation. And I know we're camping on this, Gary, but I want our guys to understand how important and vital, critical it is to have a strong solid foundation. So many guys have built their life and their marriage and their, their faith even on a shallow weak foundation. We just, if you think it's strong guys fortified, if there's a, if there's a chink in your arm or a crack in the foundation, fix it. Either way we have to keep, I guess a, a good word would be to continue to improve upon our foundation no matter how strong or deep it may run. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's a must. Yeah. So I want to move to your second point. I, I think we've, we've really hammered this foundational thing, which is so, so important. Now, your second uh, point, your second key to living a godly legacy, and you've mentioned this throughout, but I'm going to give you a chance to explain it some more, is to feed your faith. You wrote this in your book, Through my personal storms of going through a divorce and being separated from my kids, being let go of a coaching job, facing financial struggles and relational struggles— I can Now, when a guy says that, I stop and listen for the next statement. And so here's your next <laughs> statement. I can tell you that the solid rock of Christ never failed me. That is so important. Life is so simple, but it isn't shallow, right? So can you talk to us about feeding your faith? Yeah. You know, when, when you go through things like that,
1: which we all do, you know, we all go... It, you know, someone told me when I was, I remember I was like about 14 or 15. I had this, there's this preacher came in and he, and he was talking about when you go through a train wreck in your life. It's not if you have a train wreck, it's it's when, like you will. And, and we all go through things. And and as you read that all those things that I have gone through, the thing that keeps coming to my mind is my identity is not based in all of that. Like I'm a yeah. coach. Now I'm a pastor. I'm an educator. I'm a father. I'm all those things. But if one of those things is taken away, I'm not crushed. I'm not totally decimated because, number one, I'm a child of God. And so that's my identity. And so that is what allows me to make it through those things. And so feeding your faith just simply means that you're reinforcing this every day. And and it doesn't mean it's easy because, you know, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. Right. And And we all have this battle inside Even when you're born again, sanctified, you know. I mean, you're just like I'm living for Christ. You got to feed it daily, because what you feed will grow, and what you starve will die. And so Satan's always bringing us temptations. He's always putting things in our in our path, and and we have to make the right choice. I use this analogy. I'm sure you've heard it's been said a lot. But there was this old Eskimo guy who had these two dogs, the white dog and the black dog, and he had them fight. And he brought him to the town square, and he'd have these two dogs fight. And he would always predict which one would win. And he'd take bets. And his friends would say, well, how do you always know which dog is going to win the fight? Because sometimes sometimes the black dog would win. Sometimes the white dog would win. But the the old Eskimo fisherman always knew which dog would win. And he told his friends, well, it's easy. The week before, I feed one and I starve the other. And (laughs) and, and that's what determined who was going to win. You know, I don't recommend that. It doesn't sound good for uh, dog owners. But the point is... What you feed is going to strengthen in your life. And if every day you're taking five minutes, 10 minutes, just read the Bible. Just read a couple verses, right? Listen to this podcast. Listen to Christian music. Listen to worship music. And you're constantly feeding your faith. And I think we can feed our faith in ways that we don't really always think about. You know, obviously we need to go to church. We need to be in a fellowship. We need to be in a Bible study. We need to do that stuff. But those little things on a daily daily basis, like what we read, what we listen to, what we watch, who we hang out with, those are all ways that we're going to feed and strengthen our faith and become the men God wants us to be.
0: No, I agree 100%. And going back to that Jim Rohn quote, you know, guys, I know a lot of guys listening to this podcast are currently not involved in a church. I don't think that's a good move at all for the long term. But I'll tell you what, if you are not involved in Christian fellowship, you're, you're going to die on the vine, guys. Well, You need to find relationships. If you go to our website, manintherena.org, click on join our program we'll connect you with one of our national team captains, and we'll put you on one of our teams. So at least you have weekly fellowship. You heard the testimony this morning of uh, Matt from Illinois. The virtual team is a game changer. So, guys, we need to get you plugged in. You need to feed the right dog. Feed your faith. So I, I appreciate that, Gary. I just can't stress that enough. You know, it's one thing to be a Christian, right? But it's another thing to feed your faith. How many guys have you seen over the years that were, you know, on fire for Jesus, but then two decades later, they're not even, he's not even a part of their lives. Right, right. Feeding the the wrong things, man. Yep, exactly. Feeding the wrong things, which which really, point two and point three, really key into each other for me, Mm -hmm. because, you know, Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. So there's a there's a seeking component there's a pursuit component to this thing that you call fixing or feeding your faith and i think it's fixing your focus you know the bible says you know fix your eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith that's in hebrews chapter 12. so we're at the new year i think again this is the perfect time for people like you and me to set goals and i know you set goals i've set goals this I take this week between Christmas and New Year's to pray about and process what God wants me to do for the new year. You know, why is intentionality so important to fixing our focus? And, and here's a phrase in your book, avoiding the drift. Right. <laughs>
1: well, because by nature, we drift. You know, just, just naturally, if we don't do it, we're just going to drift. It's kind of like when you're, when you're out on the ocean in a boat, you don't put down an anchor. You're just going to float. Right. So you have to be intentional about where you want to go and what you want to do. And uh, so fixing your focus is about just making that conscious decision about what's important in your life. And it goes back to your life is bigger than you. Right. It goes back to the whole point of this book. I want to leave a legacy. I I want to make an impact on people like, you know, in, in a relay race, you run your leg and then you pass that baton and you have that exchange zone where you slow down a little bit, they speed up, you reach behind you, they're stretching forward and you make that exchange. And I've seen many times where they drop the baton and and then the race is over, right? So it goes back to why do we fix our focus? Because we're trying to leave a legacy. We're trying to pass that baton of faith to our children and to those who know us. And so the whole idea here is that we're going to be consistent we're going to make a decision that we're going to be congruent. I talk about congruency because we all say we want certain things, right? We all say we want to get in shape. We all say we want to, you know, look good and be strong, but but then we don't actually do the things. We eat the bowl of ice cream and, you know, we don't go to the gym and we put it off, right? And so the fixing your focus is saying, okay, this is what I want for my life. My actions are going to back it up, right? Because too many of us have a thought of what we want our life to, to look like, but our actions are totally different, right? We want a great marriage. We want a relationship with our with our spouse, but yeah, we don't take time for them. You know, we don't do the things to build that relationship. So congruency is a big part of fixing our focus. and And how do you do that, right? How do you be congruent? How do you make sure what you say and what you do line up? And I think you have to make another intentional effort to be disciplined. And at the beginning of a new year, this is a great time for guys to think about that. We don't like the word discipline. Many of us have it in a negative con- concept or context. But I say discipline is this. It's doing it's three things. It's doing what you have to do, when you have to do it, whether you feel like it or not. And, and many of us know what we have to do, right? But we, we just don't do it. And, and and sometimes we'll do it, but we don't do it when we have to do it. Right? We put it off. We put it off. And then too many of us base everything we do on our feelings. So we got to do what we're supposed to do, when we have to do it, whether we feel like it or not. And I love teaching this to young people because young people, uh, like all of us, they do what they feel like doing, right? I don't feel like reading the Bible. Yeah, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like doing that. We got to get past that. If we're going to fix our focus, if we're going to be intentional about building our life on, on the Lord, we have to have an element of discipline and you can't sugarcoat it. There is no championship athlete who wins a championship without discipline. It just doesn't happen. So we have to make that commitment to be spiritually disciplined and then have it also have that discipline in every part of our life.
0: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. You talk about avoiding the drift. You know, if you go stand in front of a river, you'll notice something. Only dead things drift downstream. Living Mm -hmm. things resist. Resist takes discipline. You you said this on page 93. Congruency in our lives is essential to live out a godly legacy. And then you also wrote this. You said being intentional is powerful. And it really, really is. You know, one of the things I'm doing, Gary, I, I work out three to four times a week. I've done that for you know 40 years of my life. But I, I'm a little bit disturbed that sometimes I'm squeaking in that last workout on Sunday afternoon. So I'm doing something this year to really create a congruent life i'm actually recruiting guys on this podcast yourself anybody uh starting january 1 i'm going to do 250 push-ups a day for five days a week over the entire year that'll do 65,000 push push-ups we're gonna have a t-shirt made for guys who can do it and give it to guys but it's it's i'm not doing that to say man i'm a tough guy i'm doing that to bring congruency To my life, I'm doing that to bring intentionality, to bring resistance to my life, and and honestly, focus because you have to focus on a daily thing to accomplish something long term. There's something to Mm -hmm. that, you know. Guys get to their life and they go, "Man, I didn't leave a legacy. My life is a mess. My kids hate me." Well, it's because you didn't do the stuff in between that was necessary. And so, at what point in a guy's life? Uh, you know, these guys that are listening right now or, you know, they've got their kids in the home. They've got a, the wife they're trying to love to the best of their ability. What would you tell these guys who are like, man, I'm failing in this. I think it's mm-hmm. too late for me to start. It's never too late. You just you start now. John Maxwell says you can't go back and create
1: a new beginning, but you can start from now and create a new ending. Yep. Right. I mean, you, you just start now and and Satan is going to attack. I mean, he, he's going to bring up your past. I mean, it just, it's a part of the plan. You know, you mentioned John 10, 10. Well, the other part of John 10, 10 is that the devil has a plan too. God came to give us life to the full, uh, but the devil has a plan for us as well to kill, steal, and destroy. He's the thief. And what does a thief do? They strategize. They think about, okay, how can I best steal this guy's joy? How can I best keep this guy defeated? And and, and so if, if you're a man and you're there right now and you're feeling like, man, it's too late for me. I've blown it. I'm on my third marriage, my fourth marriage. My relationships are awful. My my kids don't want anything to do with me. You start now, right? You start now and you do everything you can from this point forward. I want you to think about where you're going to be a year from now. Think about where you're going to be six months from now. Do you want to be the same guy in a year going, oh, yeah, it's too late. Yeah, I blew it. I blew it two years ago. No, you want to say, man, I had a rough beginning But boy, these last six months, man, I'm on fire for God. I'm I'm making a difference. I'm becoming a new person. And what happens with that, you know this, Jim, you get momentum. And and, and as a sports guy, I love momentum, right? Have you ever been to a a, a game, right? And, And one team's behind by 20, but they're scoring some points. They're scoring some points. And you just feel the energy. You just feel it. The momentum is changing. And when you get momentum, you become unstoppable. If you think of like a big, powerful locomotive, Right, I mean, going sixty miles an hour, it could literally go through a three, four, five foot concrete brick wall, because it's yeah. going steam. But when it's just sitting there, you can put a little tiny block of wood in front of that wheel, and it's not going anywhere. You got to get momentum, right? So, guys, you got to start now. Just start going. It's slow, like we said. Slow progress is still progress, and and you do it. uh, even the push-up challenge, you do it for a day. I did 250. You do it for two days, three days. Then you get to the point where I can't stop now, right? We get that momentum going.
0: Well, this push-up challenge was inspired by two friends of mine, Bud Pugh, who's a Nazarene pastor in Nampa, and a guy named Rod Handley who has a ministry called Character That Counts. Rod Handley was diagnosed with stage four cancer. It was called the 24-hour killer or the widowmaker. They found it through a freak miracle. He was healed, but he was very weakened from the surgery. Now, now Rod played college football. Rod's been on our podcast. Uh, so Rod is a was an athlete all of his life. He was the, one of the leading guys at Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh, he went to do this push-up challenge, and he couldn't do a single push-up. Mm, wow. Not one. Mm-hmm. So he started doing modified push-ups, and he got stronger and stronger and stronger. And then he's knocking them out. And every year he's knocking out 65-plus thousand push-ups, and, you know, Momentum is the great exaggerator, but we have to start somewhere to generate momentum. On page 29 of your book, you said, the most successful people in life have daily routines that guide their activities. And then you continued. You said, I have studied many highly successful people, read about their lives, and listened to dozens of interviews. I've learned that success comes in all shapes and sizes, but it never comes by accident. Can you exp- explain that more? <laughs> well, absolutely. And, and it's just you're not
1: going to be successful, whether it's spiritually, uh, in your relationships, financially, with your career. You're never going to have success by accident. You just don't wake up one day and say, whoa, look, I'm at the top. Right. So you have to be intentional. And, and that's really what this is all about. What's your game plan? Right. When I go into a game, when I was coaching, we didn't just win by chance. We, we, we had a game plan. We had a strategy. We knew our opponent. We knew what we wanted to do. And, uh, and and so a part of that is that morning routine. It's so important to determine. And see, this is what it means to be intentional. I love to go to bed at night. I know a lot of people say, put your phone away an hour or so before bed. And I understand that. But I love to get my, my phone out right as I'm going to bed. And I write out on my notepad my schedule for the morning. I love to get up at 4. And I will literally write four, wake up, 4.03, coffee, hydrate. <laughs> like that's my first thing, right? But I'm very intentional about that. Um, I used to just hate waking up. I'd, I'd, I'd hit the snooze button many, many times like so many guys do. But when I said, no, alarm's going off at four. How fast can my feet hit the floor? Because by 4.03, I'm going to be downstairs drinking my 20 ounces and making my first cup of coffee, right? And then I script out my first two hours of the morning. When am I going to read for devotions? When am I going to study for my sermon? When am I going to get my 20-minute workout? You know, just all this stuff. So if you just get up in the morning and you just go with whatever happens, ah, oh, that's the worst way to live, especially in the morning, because that's, to me, the one time a day when you can really control the first 90 minutes, two
0: hours. And so, um, yeah, so that morning routine is huge. So you get up in the morning and you hydrate read your Bible, what other one or two things do you do?
1: Yeah. So on my same notepad with the legacy uh, prayer and all that, I have 11 morning habits. I'll just read them real quick. Um, Yeah. Read the Bible, pray, write my goals, write what I'm thankful for, vocabulary builder. I'm trying to learn new words. Um, Check the headlines in the news. And I tell you what, man, I love to sit and listen to the news and know what's going on, but 45 minutes of that. And now that's, you know, a third or a half of my morning. So I can't do that, but I do want to know what's going on. Um, I love reading quotes, read my legacy statement, read 10 minutes from a book. Right now I'm reading James Clear, Atomic Habits, great, great book. Also got a Maxwell book I'm reading. Um, and then number 10 is follow my morning routine that I planned out the night before. And then 11 is exercise. And that's the morning habits I try to establish. Don't, please, don't think I do all of those every morning. Uh, but those are that's my priority. That's my intention. That's what I'm trying to do. And, you know, it, it depends on the day. It depends on what I got going on. Uh, some of that varies. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of uh, my morning routine, at least what I'm shooting for.
0: No, that's really good. Yeah, mine is really simple. And I've been doing it for 30 years. I get up in the morning. I make a cup of coffee. If Shanna's home and not flying, I make her a cup of coffee and I read my Bible and I read a book and that's it. And I get up and go to work. I mean, very, very simple. I can't work out in the morning. I just can't stand that. So my <laughs> my body, spiritually, I do the spiritual stuff in the morning. And then I come to work. I pray for an hour. And I'm rolling. And I usually work out in the afternoon. But that morning routine is critical, yeah. critical, critical. And guys, again, this new year, maybe your goal is as simple as change your morning rhythm. Change your morning routine. Because you know it takes 66 days, experts tell us to form a habit. And that's really easy to remember because there are 66 books in the Bible. It takes 66 days to form a habit. So if you can just suck it up from January 1 to mid November, or I'm sorry, mid March, you are set. You're rolling baby. That's those mm-hmm. first 66 days of the year are so critical to your success. Let's talk about this fourth point. Now I wrote a book. It's standing it's on the shelf right here behind me over my left shoulder called Strong Men Dangerous Times. Last year it was a number one bestseller on Amazon. And the fifth essential of these five essentials of manhood is finishing strong. And I realized something, Gary, that there are many men out there that finish wrong. Mm-hmm. They finish with a question mark. Yeah. And there are many guys that finish strong, fewer guys. They finish yeah. with an exclamation point like Jesus did in John nineteen thirty. What mm-hmm. in your what in your opinion separates those two groups? Well, I would say first, it is that their intentionality.
1: I keep going back to it, but you have to be intentional and you have to be aware of all these things we've talked about. You have to be aware that if you're not intentional, you're going to drift and you're going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. So if you're going to finish strong, it's what you do daily. It's not what you do in a day. It's not what you do someday. It's what you do daily that counts, day after day after day. And so to me, finishing strong is something that we do every day and, you know, wherever you're at in life, you know, maybe if you're you're later in life and, you know, you're in your last you know, few years or decade or, you know, whatever, you just finish strong. If you're young, you have no idea when your last day will be. It's a day you got to finish strong. Right. You have to do that every single day. And I think two things really help. One is knowing your life is bigger than you. You're making an impact on people. I have to finish strong because my children are depending depending on me. They're looking to me. And and so knowing that I am leaving a legacy helps. The second thing is a foundation again. You know, one of the things in in the finishing strong in that section of the book I talk about is a life verse. And and man, if you don't have a life verse, I want you to search the scriptures and until you can find a verse that like this is my verse. This is the one I'm clinging to. It was probably 30 years ago. I came up with James 1.12 as my life verse. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. But blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. When I first read that and memorized that, Jim, I had no idea the trials that I would be going through in the years oh, yeah. ahead. But that verse kept coming up. Blessed, happy is the man Blessed is the man. If he can just persevere, if I could just get through this day, if I could just make it and keep clinging to God, I don't understand it. I don't understand why I'm going through this, but I'm going to cling to him and I'm going to persevere. Then I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to receive a crown of life. And so with that idea in mind, I can finish strong. It doesn't matter what I'm going through today, what I'm going through tomorrow, what happens to me. It's not my circumstances. It's what's inside of me. And uh, and, and, and so that's what determines uh, it's a large, large extent, uh how I finish, try to finish strong.
0: Well, you know, we talked about this earlier in the podcast, but what I tell guys is this, finish every day strong. So that six to nine window when your family needs you the most, mm-hmm. get off the couch, put down the beer, get out of the garage, get out of the mm-hmm. shop, get your butt in the game, yeah. love your wife and kids, finish every day strong. And guys, listen, if you finish today' strong, compounded over time is a life that com- that finishes strong. Yep. It's super, super simple. It's a simple recipe. So here's what I want to talk about next, Gary. You talk about finishing strong. You took a, you've talked a lot in the book about legacy and intentionality. But one thing we've addressed but really haven't mentioned by name, is this word attitude. Can you talk to us about how important attitude is? to intentionality, finishing strong, and living out a godly legacy? Attitude is everything. Um, Yep.
1: uh, Was it Chuck Swindoll? Chuck Swindoll said, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you deal with it, right? You've read that whole paragraph on attitude. Attitude is everything. And and the great thing is we choose our attitude. And this is one of the things I love teaching young people because they don't understand that I have a choice every single day about the attitude that I'm going to take on for the day. It's not about our circumstances, it's not about what happens to us, it's about what happens in us. And so when we decide that I'm going to have a godly attitude, I'm going to be Christ-like, I'm going to radiate the best that I can, God from the inside of me to finish strong, to live my legacy, then we're going to do it. I mean, we're we're not going to be perfect and we're going to have, you know, times where we take a step backwards. But it's that choice, it's understanding. You have a choice as the attitude. You, you you got mad at that person, that's your choice. You let that person make you angry, well, you chose to let them make you angry, right? I mean, we do have control over our emotions more than we think we do. And we certainly have control over our attitude.
0: Well, I love what you wrote in your book. You said, and I'm just reemphasizing what you've just said, attitude is a decision. The character traits you have, you have are the result of the decisions you make. We don't always control what we are naturally good at in terms of talent or skill, but we can always control our attitude. The legacy you are going to leave begins on the inside. So Gary, man, I I love this stuff. Can you review really quickly these four critical points to leaving a godly legacy and living with intentionality? Yeah, absolutely. We got to fortify our
1: foundation. It's got to be rock solid on Jesus Christ. We got to feed our faith every single day. We choose what we're going to feed. Um, We have to fix our focus. It's a daily thing. We fix our focus, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, like you mentioned from Hebrews. And then number four, finish strong, baby. You can do it.
0: Love it. I love it. Gary, thanks so much for taking the time to share your wisdom and these simple but deep concepts from your book. And guys, let's get our boots on the ground here. The New Year's kicking off. What are you going to do? What's the next step? And guys, I want to invite you into my space, into my world, into my pain and suffering. And I want to invite you to set a fitness goal this year of doing 65,000 push-ups with me, 250 a day, five days a week, or you can do 200 a day, six days a week. And if you join me in doing that, DM me. Hit me up somehow. Let us know. And at the end of the year, uh, we'll have a shirt for you that's being designed right now. And this is a – listen, guys, we don't care about guys who start. You get nothing for starting. But if you finish (laughs) this thing, we're going to hook you up. I think it will be really, really fun. So uh, we'll talk more about this. We'll set goals along the way. want to invite you to do that, guys. So, hey, guys, want to also invite you to pick up a copy of my free book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters at meninthearena.org. No matter where you guys live on this planet, and 126 nations downloaded our podcast last year, I don't care where you live, go to our homepage, sign up under, quote, join our program. We want to put you on a virtual team, help you become your best version, help you to live with intentionality. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man.
2: Everyone wins.